Hello, and welcome to Geek Between the Lines, the podcast that explores compelling themes in some of our favorite geeky properties. I'm Brittany. I'm Chris. And this week, we are looking at compassion in Star Wars. How do you define compassion? How do I define compassion? Well, (laughs) according to the dictionary. So, unless I am sorely mistaken, it should be that you have sympathy for the suffering of others Mm. and you want to i mean and hopefully you want to do something about it yeah yeah i think that it's it's caring and like not just to mean like that you care for something but that you care about something so that you actually have you've invested some part of yourself in that person or that issue well and i believe like the latin roots are like isn't it like suffer with i don't know I I think. Makes sense. Maybe I'm wrong, but maybe that's sympathy. I don't know. Mm. One or the other is suffer with. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. So we have a quote. This comes from Star Wars Episode 2. Your favorite. (laughs) I mean, it's really hard to choose a favorite among the prequels. (laughs) It's when Anakin's attempting to hit on Padme for the billionth time. And they're talking about love. Attachment is forbidden. Possession is forbidden. Compassion, which I would define as unconditional love, is essential to a Jedi's life. So you might say that we are encouraged to love. Yeah. So he's wrong. (laughs) (laughs) About them being encouraged to love? Well, he's wrong about compassion being unconditional love. Mm. Like, I would say that I think compassion is... A loving act mm-hmm. but it definitely does not have to be unconditional and it definitely doesn't have to be perpetual in the way that unconditional love seems to imply you know mm. because it is you feeling sympathy for somebody who's suffering now if somebody you're loving is not suffering then you're not feeling compassion for them. You will when they are suffering or when something happens. But so I would say that he is incorrect. That's interesting. I don't know if I think of compassion. Do you want to side with Anakin, Chris? <laughs> requiring suffering. I think, I, I don't know if I believe that you have to be sympathetic for suffering for compassion to exist. Well, do we want to look up what compassion means? I mean, we can, but okay, you can that keep doesn't talking. have to be like, the dictionary definition is not the only definition of a word. It's just like, it's just something that I'm, I'm not sure of, honestly. Like, I, I don't know. That there has to be suffering? Yeah, exactly. Well, if there doesn't have to be suffering, then what would differentiate it from love? Well, to me, love connotates some form of attachment. And compassion doesn't necessarily. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <gasps> I'm right! Okay, so... So Latin, I'm probably saying this wrong, uh, compati is to suffer with, and so com is with, and pati is to bear or suffer. Mm. Dictionary.com says that compassion is a feeling of deep sympathy and sorrow for another who is stricken by misfortune, accompanied by a strong desire to alleviate the suffering. Hmm. So if we're going with that definition, Mm. do you think that Anakin is correct? No. Because I think the other thing there is that if it's entirely about being compassionate towards those who have had misfortune, then you cannot have unconditional love for those who are causing misfortune. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Totally. I think it's interesting 
an idea of if you unconditionally love someone, would you always have compassion for them if they were undergoing some amount of misfortune? Hmm. Because there's the part of like feeling sympathy and sorrow for. And I think if you unconditionally love someone, you probably would feel those things, Mm -hmm. I would think. But the desire to alleviate it, I don't know if I always agree with that because sometimes that could be enabling, right? Which I would not consider necessarily loving. Hmm. Tricky, tricky questions. (laughs) But also he was just trying to convince her that it was okay for a Jedi to love people. Oh, for sure. And himself. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Well, why don't we get into our discussion of Star Wars? Cool. So, did you bring a character? I did. I thought we could talk about Rose Tico. Yay, Rose. Because I think Rose is a great example of someone who is compassionate for those who are oppressed. Mm Mm-hmm. And I think that we see that a little bit more concretely with Rose than we do with other characters. Um, I think that, for example, Leia is obviously a very compassionate person. Padme is obviously a very compassionate person. But with Rose, we really see her being influenced by that in the way that she's engaging with other people. And so when she's at Canto Bite with Finn and Finn is, you know, getting awestruck by the lavishness of it, she can only see that for the harm that it causes others, the child slavery, the warmongering that creates those kinds of profits and all the these other kinds abuse. of things. Exactly. Mm-hmm. She she can't see anything but that. And I think that that shows how compassionate she is as a person, the way that she interacts with the world and why she's so ups- upset with Finn when she finds him running away because that is not the way to help people. That is not the way to live up to the ideals that she's trying to to live by in the resistance and and not the way to alleviate other people's suffering right? exactly right uh it's just helping yourself it's, it's selfish and that's something that she she won't stand for especially after the death of, of her sister and i think that that's the other thing that I, i'm really glad about is i feel like they could have very easily made rose hate the things on canto bite because her sister died in some sort of related incident. And that's why she had this this feeling. But I appreciate that her sister died and that was awful, but she can be compassionate to the people of Kanto Bite and the people of the universe without having it be from a personal story that we see in the movie, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if she was from a, a planet that was oppressed or what have you, but we don't see that in the movie. We just see her relationship with her sister and her ability as a mechanic and an engineer. And I think that that's really cool to see a character who not only is so ruled by compassion, but also who is ruled by compassion in a way that doesn't have to come from a tragic backstory or something like that, right? It just comes from her ideals and what she believes in. And I think that's one of the reasons why her having that ring of the rebel's insignia and passing it along to the child is so profound because more than anyone else in the new trilogy, I see her as exemplifying these ideals of wanting to fight for a universe that cares about people and for her to pass along a symbol of those ideals to someone who needs it, I think is, is really powerful. Definitely. And I, I think she is one of the 
the only younger character in the series that has been building into this for mm. years. I mean, I guess maybe we could say Poe po, as well. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if we find out exactly when he joined or whatnot. He's been around um, for a while. Okay. Yeah, and so I think that that's, yeah, significant because I so often in Star Wars you have people who just are thrust into this mm. and now they're suddenly super committed to the rebellion or some sort of revolution, but to see that people because of their compassion have been building into it for a long time i think that's really powerful because i don't i don't think that people just like have to have suffered greatly for them to be compassionate Mm. do i think that it's more likely to happen that way probably right you're probably going to be more compassionate for others who are suffering if you've suffered yourself but then on a different level there is what seems to be I don't know, almost like active compassion and I don't know, I'm just making up terms here, <laughs> like foundational compassion. <laughs> so some it's you're seeing something right in front of your face and you have compassion for it. And in others, you know about it, maybe you've seen it in the past, but that's kind of what you build off of the trajectory of your life is based off of a compassionate place. Mm you might not be always feeling the sorrow because it's hard to always feel the sorrow and still get things done, you know? But it's still, like, that's where it's sources from, mm. you know? Uh, versus, oh, I'm suddenly seeing this and now I feel it towards this particular person or the, these particular people right now. But it seems like Rose has both. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, did you bring a plot to discuss today? So I wanted to talk about the parallel between Anakin and Luke being driven by compassion, basically to shirk their Jedi tasks and responsibilities. Mm. Because in episode two, you have Anakin have dreams about his mother suffering. And he's so concerned about it, and he he does definitely have sympathy and sorrow from it, and that leads him to leave Naboo with Amidala, even though he wasn't supposed to do that, mm-hmm. to go and try to find his mom, rescue her, all of that. Then in episode five, Luke is training with Yoda, and he decides to up and leave when he has not completed his training because he starts having visions, similarly, of his friend's suffering Mm. and he wants to do something about it and so both of them drop what they're doing even though that's not what they're supposed to do because they want to alleviate the suffering of these people that they love Mm -hmm. but vader it's interesting to me that he actually turns his past experience of compassion into a manipulative tactic Mm. against his son where he had compassion when he was younger, he, like, stops that cycle of compassion and he just exploits it for a weapon of war. Mm. Yeah, that's really interesting. Uh, that That's a really cool way that the prequels actually engage with the original trilogy in an interesting way because that does parallel so much of, of kind of what they do. And so seeing that as a technique that Vader not only knows will bring Luke 
just because he believes that he's a hero and he'll do that, but because <laughs> he recognizes how someone who experiences the force like he does is going to experience this, right? Mm-hmm. Because it's not just that Luke knows that they're in pain, but that he feels it through the force, right? When he's meditating. And, uh, and yeah, and, and Anakin knows, or Vader knows that how affecting that can be for the people that you care about. And I think one of the reasons why he stops caring about people because Mm -hmm. he realizes that it's a weakness for him uh, when he starts to crave power uh, alone and ultimately becomes his weakness. Uh, You know, he perishes because he gets into a fight with the Emperor to save his son, you know, and it is what what ultimately saves him, which I think is is really interesting. And I think that there could definitely be, like, if ever Star Wars wasn't, like, redone, but was, like, there was a novelization that kind of retook the original trilogy and tied it back in with the prequels and the sequels a little bit more concretely. I mean, I'm down with them redoing the prequels. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I think it'd be really interesting to see Vader's kind of interiority about that decision Mm -hmm. and have that tie a little bit further. And then with when his final turn against the Emperor in episode six, it kind of harkened back to that again. Yeah, it is actually really interesting. I feel like whenever he's not being just a loyal Hufflepuff, and following other people, mm. it's usually out of compassion that he breaks hmm. with what he's supposed to be doing. I mean, that's, that is even why he turned to the dark side, right? Was because he was having those same visions, but of Padme mm-hmm. dying, right? And he's like, I want to save her. And yeah, and then as, as you were talking about at the end to save Luke, it's it's when he's seeing him suffering in front of him that... Then he he breaks with the emperor when he'd never done that before. Yeah, that we know of. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean, probably games and such. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's <laughs> definitely some happens. comics where he's he's doing some stuff behind the emperor's back. No question. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, very very cool. All right, well, why don't we go on to our compelling questions? Okay, what's yours? Uh, talking about Anakin and compassion, in episode one, Anakin goes out of his way to help Qui-Gon and Padme, even doing the pa- the pod race, right? Mm-hmm. And he tells, he tells his mom, you know, you say the problem with the universe is that nobody's helping each other. And so do you think that it was compassion guiding him to help them or something else? Hmm. It's hard for me to to believe anything good about Anakin. <laughs> like, I think that the story presents it as, yes, he he is compassionate and he sees that they are stranded on this planet, their ship is ruined, and, and so he's willing to put his life at risk for it. Not that he really understands exactly what that means because he's a little kid. Mm-hmm. But... Could there also be a part of him that's like, oh, hey, I want to impress people. Or, oh, hey, this is a way for me to get to be in this pod race because I enjoy it and I have fun doing it and my mom wouldn't let me otherwise. You know, I think that those things could play a role. But I think probably there's some compassion in there too. And then if we see that his character is quite compassionate in several instances i think that it would follow that yeah he was probably like that as a child too mm-hmm. it's i mean it's only like 10 years different so yeah i i could see it 
being uh, multiple factors in his decision for mm. the pod racing. <laughs> what about you? Yeah, I definitely was thinking that as well. Um, I want to impress this angel. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right? This person that you're clearly interested in. And the Jedi that he, he recognizes, right? He sees the, the lightsaber before he invites mm-hmm. him into the house. And so he he kind of sees these people as having something that he wants. And that might not be something tangible. It might be the call to adventure. It might be something to get out of his, his life. Or it might be yeah, the ability for him to pod race with his pod race that he built that he wants to show off, right? He wouldn't have built that pod race if he didn't want to use it. Uh, you know, and because he, he kept it from Watto. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he was using, he's planning on using it some in some way for himself. And this is a way to possibly do that. I also think that there's an element, if you want to go into the metaphysics of Star Wars, of the Force. <laughs> do we want to go into the metaphysics <laughs> of Star Wars? Uh, but the Force kind of leading him to work mm-hmm. with these people. Maybe the Force is the compassionate one. Out. And since he just has such high levels. <laughs> <laughs> Those midi-chlorians. <laughs> So, yeah, I think it's interesting to kind of see these different things because we don't really see him just be compassionate to, uh, certainly not unequivocally or unconditionally compassionate, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, when he blows up this giant space station, kills a bunch of Nemodians, he's not yeah. upset about it, right? He's going, woohoo! Like, right. he's not universally compassionate at this point he is not an ender definitely not an ender. no 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 um so i think it's interesting to kind of read a little bit through the lines of kind of how he's presented because he is so much presented especially in that that movie about as just like nice boy and <laughs> <laughs> who's really good at pod racing like but he he already could be read as having some of the the other things that you see in older Anakin of being a showboat and and wanting to show off and all these other kinds of things. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Anakin, the showboat. Yes, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, dear. Well, what's your question? So my question is, do you see the Jedi as actually having compassion for the communities that they're supposed to serve? That is a really good question, and I can't answer it without going into my missed opportunities because okay. well i so i can tell you a little bit from my side and okay. then you can answer sure. and go into sure, 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 sure. do it do it do it okay let's do it. so what were we thinking i was gonna say not much <laughs> and then i was gonna say they did i think add something in there that was cool in the clone wars mm-hmm. where they're on a planet and there's a lot of slavery happening Anakin and Ahsoka are really upset about it and, like, want to do something about it. Mm-hmm. And and I think that was a time you actually saw compassion happen. And not only compassion, but also, to some degree, hearkening back to his experience, right? Like, I think there are some ways that we are able to be more compassionate for things that we have gone through because our sympathy is a little more informed, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I saw it there, but I don't see it very much. Conclusion. (laughs) (laughs) Jedi suck. No, I'm kidding. So I I disagree with you. Oh, okay. Uh, To answer your question, I think that the Jedi are very compassionate to those who they are sworn to serve. Okay, so sworn to serve. Because 
they're very compassionate to those in the Republic. Mm-hmm. But my missed opportunity is that they don't have compassion for those outside of it. And I think that's a really good example of those in the Outer Rim, right? Mm-hmm. Of people like Anakin and Shmi Skywalker who are just slaves, who can just be slaves out there. And it's yeah. like, yeah, it's sad, but the huts control this place. And we can't have anything to do here. And that's not because of... They don't have powers. The force stops working in the Outer Rim. It's because they don't have the political authority because they're agents of the Republic, Mm -hmm. right? And they claim to be the peacekeepers of the galaxy, but they are not. They are agents of the Republic. And this is especially clear after we have the Clone Wars, where we have the Separatists who want, in some cases, just to have some more sovereignty outside of the Republic, Mm -hmm. right? No compassion for that. No compassion, right? Yeah. They are generals in this war. There is no element of it being them being there as peacekeepers, as negotiating, anything like that. They are generals. And part of that is just because they're very easily manipulated by the dark side. And they're like, <laughs> this is being led by Count Dooku, and he's maybe a Sith. And there's this other dark master who we heard was in charge of the Senate, but psh, can't be Palpatine. No way. Sheev. Not him. <laughs> Not Sheev. Uh... But, yeah, so I think that they, as agents of the Republic, are great, you know? They clearly seem to be able to keep the peace pretty well, and... and... Although, I would be like, maybe. Because how many planets do we actually see them interacting on? It's true. That are within the Republic? It's true. Maybe they don't do a good job there That's quite possible. (laughs) Um, They certainly seem invested right they seem to want like like they're proactive about what's going on yeah but that is so directed to the place that they have political authority in and to me compassion doesn't hold to political authority if you are ruled by compassion then you're not a political agent uh the two are do not make sense together you can be someone who's ruled by compassion who tries to use politics as a tool that's possible probably pretty rare no politicians, but it's a possibility. <laughs> Even if so, it probably won't work, yeah, right? unfortunately. But Padme yeah. <laughs> shows both sides of that. Yeah. <laughs> Someone who's has those ideals and for whom it doesn't work. Mm-hmm. But I think that the Jedi, they cannot claim to be these peace-loving, compassionate individuals when they also have uh, this mandate that's so political. And so determined by things that are not about universal compassion. For sure. They're like, we aren't soldiers. Aren't you kind of, though? Kind of, (laughs) y'all. You have weapons and you go in and you're like, no, you can't do this. Or we'll protect you and by doing so, kill a lot of people. So. Oh no, we're we're just generals in this army of sentient beings <laughs> who we are who we grew and are using as cannon fodder who are genetically manipulated to be more docile and we're sending them at also sentient beings. They just happen to be robots <laughs> with programming. Some, sometimes other times probably not robots. That's true, right? right. So, yeah. There's, there's some elements of where that compassion exists. We're not soldiers. We're generals. <laughs> we have more power. Exactly. <laughs> oh, dear. Well, that kind of leads me to my missed opportunity, which is... Great, bring it on. That 
there's no compassion for those on the opposite side of whatever war or battle or yeah political ideology we can throw in there too because throughout the films they're killing stormtroopers like left and right Mm -hmm. and there's never any thought or conversation that goes into you know what about their friends what about their family what about the trauma that they're experiencing as they're seeing all these people die you know like there there isn't any of that the only ones you're supposed to care about are like finn because he left Mm -hmm. like because he's one of the quote-unquote good ones but what about the others and i and i think that yeah it's just a shame because in things like lord of the rings you have that really rich conversation like we talked about in our violence episode where Sam in the books or Faramir in the movies are talking about who are these men from the East mm-hmm. and how did they get into this war and did they know what they were what they were signing up for and would they rather have just stayed at home? Were they bribed? Were they coerced? You know, all of these questions, but that's never really applied to the stormtroopers. And again, if if we go into the Clone Wars, there's a lot more humanization mm-hmm. that happens there. But yeah, I think that it's just a real shame. And then obviously that 100% applies to non-human looking mm. aliens as well, because oh, it's fine to just, like, kill them, and there's no remorse, there's no... There's no even moment to even look at the dead bodies of these other creatures um, and feel anything, unless it's the Empire or the First Order, whoever it is, doing it. Then it's Mm. like, oh, this poor Ewok that died. Well, of course that poor Ewok that died, but what about when the Jedi or the Rebellion is doing this, you know? Totally, yeah. We, when we were just watching episode two the other day, and they're on Geonosis, and mm-hmm. I think this is the first time that I just was like, wow, they are literally just hacking through with their lightsaber these sentient insectoid people. And yeah. because they're insects, we can get away with it and just have it be like, oh, they're killing monsters. But, like, mm-hmm. in the metaphysics of Star Wars, <laughs> they are sentient. Like, they yeah. are living beings, and there's no ints of compulsion about it. And even if they weren't sentient, like, I don't just go through animals and hack them apart. I don't think that that's right either, you know? Like, they're not doing anything. You're invading their area, (laughs) you know? You're invading their droid factory. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so, conclusion. We need more compassion. Yes. Yes, indeed. And especially, I think Finn's a great example because there's no element of the resistance is like, oh, they brainwashed you? Wait, so we're fighting brainwashed soldiers? Right, I know. What, we need to do something about this. Like, we cannot just continue to fight. Like, obviously, we're in a war, so things might happen where there's battles and we can't just dig give up at those times. But we also should be proactive in helping these people, being compassionate to these people. Well, and what happened to stun have their guns? their agency stripped away from them. That's true, right? Right? It's like, these people are brainwashed. And also, they said he was taken from when he was a kid, right? From mm-hmm. his home. So if all these people are, like, taken, brainwashed, and... I'm sure not educated with anything besides propaganda. Mm-hmm. Like, and now we're just going to kill them when we have stun gun technology. What is happening? I've got one thing to say to that. 
How wooed. <laughs> oh, indeed. <laughs> <laughs> if only you could do... Um, what is that guy's name? Uh, Boss Nass. Yeah, Boss Nass. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's how we feel about it. <laughs> or was that a positive thing or was that a negative thing? I don't. I don't know Who's the Gunkin customs. <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> All right, well, we've kind of gotten it, gotten into your takeaway <laughs> yeah. in Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I like the I like that you brought up Rose Tico because without that, and I mean, we we do have some instances of of Anakin. It's just hard to appreciate because Anakin's so annoying, but he does have some good inclinations sometimes. But yeah, I'm I'm glad there's at least Rose and her compassion, or else it would be quite devoid of compassion. And even so, I wish they they could bring that out a bit more from her character. And we'll see if that happens in this next movie. Yeah, yeah. I think my my takeaway is is similar. I, I think it's kind of this is kind of brought to light why I'm enjoying things like the comic book series and mm. other TV shows and and books and our own like RPGs that we do because it's really interesting going back to the primary material and looking at it through these other lenses and starting to contextualize that and develop around what we've learned in the prequels and sequels. Um, I think that actually adds a lot to these stories and it makes it so that I guess I'm more interested. I heard recently that in the the 80s, there was a audio drama of Star Wars that was like Mm. hours long um, because it was an audio drama. So it was going on for a really long time. And so it got way more in-depth into the relationships of these characters and and, and their motivations and all these kinds of things. And there's even, I think, a novelization of that audio drama, which I'm really interested in seeing to see how In A New Hope seeing Han's interiority of how he's thinking about Luke and Leia and all these other kinds of things and and hearing the conversations that Han and Luke and Leia have uh you know where she's grieving for Alderaan and all these things that you kind of miss in the movies because they're just so fast you know Mm -hmm. there's such popcorn movies which can be fun but also means that you're missing a lot of development there and so even though it kind of is a little harder to look for it I think I'm so much more engaged and excited about those types of things because this is something that I love and I love to see that there even if it wasn't there originally Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. all right well why don't we wrap up our discussion of Star Wars and could you bring up what we'll just be talking about next week when we go back to Harry Potter we're gonna be looking at belief belief in Harry Potter yeah Uh, like any theme can be great for Harry Potter I know right and it's been so long it really has too long (laughs) Well, thanks for listening to this week's episode of Geek Between the Lines. You can find us on social media by searching for Geek Between the Lines on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or Pinterest. You can also go to our website, bit.ly slash geekbetweenthelines. You can find show notes and the blogs that I do every month and all sorts of other fun stuff. And if you want to join our illustrious patrons, you can go to our Patreon at patreon.com slash geekbetweenthelines, where you can help to support the podcast. We have tiers as low as $1 a month, but it helps us to keep $1? the podcast. $1? Only $1. What? And you still get access to all sorts of fun goodies. 
and it helps keep the podcast sustainable and helps us to make new content. So thank you so much to all of those who, who are our wonderful patrons, and we really hope that you consider joining their, their ranks. Another great way to support us is by leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you find your podcasts. It really helps new listeners to find us, so uh, if you could leave us a review there, we'd really appreciate it. We want to thank Kimberly Taylor Pastel at Lacelet for designing our logo. You can find her designs at lacelet.com or search them for Lacelet on Facebook or Instagram. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next week. Until then, geek out. out.